0: over here's paul calvisi i'm ready i'm 100 percent ready i'm telling you i'm ready and ron wolfley it doesn't
1: get any better than that unleash the fury well not exactly ron wolfley on assignment tonight okay let's be honest ron wolfley on vacation his summer sabbatical as we like to joke with Wolf. So we have Darren Rubin sitting in from azcardinals.com and let's face it a lot of us are going to be on vacation in the real near future. In fact the rookies effective today are gone until training camp. In fact if you were to take role Darren here at the Arizona Cardinals Dignity Health Training Center wouldn't be a lot of people in attendance right now.
6: No I would think that this (laughs) is probably the most dead time of year Paul.
1: (laughs) So to make best use of that time we figured you know what Here's the game plan. Let's revisit Cardinal's Folktales from this fall. Now it was a very eventful 2021 season including a 7 and 0 start, 10 and 2. Maybe some of the folks missed it. That's definitely worth revisiting. Tell us exactly what Cardinal's Folktales is.
6: The, the idea between uh, about Cardinal's Folktales, Paul, is is that there's a number of stories that, you know, some you've heard of, some you might not have heard about. Um, but maybe only a cursory knowledge of what those are. And these uh, aim to get a little deeper into those stories. And uh, there was a whole series of them. Uh, I believe we had 11 episodes this past year. And, uh, you know, just going into different things, whether it was – you know, the coin that didn't flip before, uh, in overtime of the 2015 playoff game against the Packers or uh, the night the goalpost came down uh, after the Cardinals beat the Cowboys in a regular season game in 97. Things like that, where, again, you might, have, you might vaguely remember what had happened, but maybe not some of the details, and, and we kind of go behind the scenes with some of that stuff.
1: We like to say all-time anecdotes. Yeah. You can't spell history without the word story. Right. Tonight we're going to start, and rightfully so, with number 1 in the series and that is Pat Tillman's legendary locker. We're going to learn about a locker that is behind glass. It's essentially a museum piece just outside the Cardinals' locker room and we'll get in depth into that real soon. But as someone who covered Pat Tillman and that's both of us. Yeah. What do you tell people? Those people you meet for the first time and they, "Oh wow, you knew and covered Pat Tillman."
6: I mean, it's always kind of a, a fascinating thing. I mean, Pat Tillman was somebody that you kind of were always going to remember anyways, even when you were covering him as a football player, he, he was going to be that guy that, you know, kind of stamped on your brain. But obviously with everything that happened with him, uh, the crazy way he ended up um, going into the army in the first place. Uh, and then uh, obviously his, his tragic death. I mean, that stuff, you just can't get away from him. And I, I just, I remember writing a story right before he said he was going into the Army, uh, and I still have the copy of it today, and he was a free agent that year, and and he had gotten an offer from the Rams, and he hadn't signed anywhere. It was May, and he wasn't around for some of the voluntary work, and I wrote a story saying it was odd that Pat Tillman still hadn't decided what he was going to do playing football, and it was just not like him to miss football parts, even if he was getting married, which was part of the reason he was gone.
1: Because Pat, the football player, did not define Pat Tillman. Yep, He was so many different people all wrapped up in one. There was Pat, the academic, right? He's a great student at Arizona State. In fact, we'll talk a little bit at the end about the Pat Tillman Scholars. There was... There was just the Pat, not only Pat the personality, but there was Pat who challenged himself. Wasn't there an off-season where he ran a marathon and or like a half Ironman triathlon? Yeah, he
6: did those things. I remember Rod Graves telling me a story about uh, seeing Pat at a at a coffee shop locally, and Pat was just outside by himself drinking coffee, reading a book. And Rod Graves, the former GM, looked and uh, decided to see what the book was, and it was the Quran. And wow. Pat Tillman just picked it
1: up one day and decided he wanted to know more about
6: that so he
1: decided to read it if there was anybody who was all about think for yourself it was pat tillman but he also considered it your responsibility to educate yourself and so he was always curious he just had that national that natural curiosity about him and he was an unbelievable player i mean someone who ever came the odds we'll get into it in cardinals folk tales just exactly but But remember, I mean, he was a guy who came out as a tweener, wasn't given a great shot at at making the team. And then, of course, we know what happened from there after his football career. And his status now as an American hero. And we'll get into that and how that's all involved in the story of Pat Tillman and how it's all captured in his legendary locker, which we'll commence with when we come back. It is our Cardinals Folktales edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. And welcome back, everyone, into the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. I'm Paul Calvisi, and as we noted off the top, we're taking a different approach the next few weeks here on the Big Red Rage. Our game plan revolves around an encore presentation of Cardinals folktales, where we like to say you can't spell history without the word story. Well, if you were to go from the Cardinals radio studio about 50 yards to my left, you would hit the Cardinals locker room. And before you enter, you would see a locker behind glass. And there's a reason why. That locker once belonged to Pat Tillman. So as we near Cardinals camp, And we think about the long shot players, so the low round picks who might be able to defy the odds and make that final roster. It's hard not to think of the greatest Cardinals example of that ever, at least to me. Cardinals seventh round pick in 1998, Pat Tillman. He was far from a lock that year. He's considered a tweener between a linebacker and a safety, but he had a plan. Make the coaches take notice. And as someone who covered Pat both ASU and the Cardinals, it was impossible not to notice Pat. If it wasn't the hair flowing out of the helmet, it was just his style of play with total abandon. I mean, he didn't just wear pads, he used them. So, although we might know Pat's story, what's the story behind the locker that was seconds away from total demolition? Well, here's that story Cardinals Folktales, Legendary Locker every year nfl teams conduct their fight for 53 that's the size of an nfl roster 53 players and those names will always vary year to year heck week to week but the arizona cardinals have a 54th locker and that nameplate will never change.
6: Pat Tillman, talk about a guy with a lot of heart.
1: Passion is kind of an important word for me whether it's, you know, playing sports or whether it's, you know, just living or whatever you're going to do, you should, in my opinion you should be passionate about it or Else, why why do
4: it. He's pretty legendary just for being the guy he was, that the being true to himself, challenging people around him, uh, you know, never being dull or just taking things for granted or being complacent. He was always
2: searching for knowledge. I think it was important to save the locker. As time goes by, you start to forget about things that happened in history. I didn't want Pat to be forgotten.
1: Legendary locker with the forever nameplate, Pat Tillman. This is Cardinals Folktales presented by 72 Soul, where we go in depth into Cardinals history, all time anecdotes through the personal recollections and memories of those who lived it. We hear their words their voices. My name is Paul Calvisi. I've covered the Cardinals since late 1995, the end of the Buddy Ryan era. I've been the Cardinals sideline reporter since 2005. And as I can attest, you may think you know some of these folktale stories, but as I found out, as even team historians have found out, we don't. Like this story, this folktale revolving around the most widely known figure in Cardinals history, Pat Tillman, and how his legendary locker was saved with a last-second interception from a buzzsaw, literally, by a longtime staffer.
2: I didn't really get the idea to kind of preserve the locker until uh, 2006. I always put it in the back of my head, like, I want to save this locker. That would be kind of cool. And I just didn't know when renovations would take place. And I'm sitting there eating lunch at Oregano's, and they're taking place. So I had to do something. When, you know, the cliche, if you cut somebody open, they bleed cardinal red, that's that's Omo. So it was fitting that, you know, he would be the one that has his finger on the pulse of that and in the moment immediately recognizes how significant this is to preserve.
1: Before we get to that locker the museum piece on display showcased for all to see at Cardinals HQ, we need to understand Pat Tillman. Notice how we didn't say the football player, Pat Tillman, because Pat was so much more than an
5: athlete. Pat Tillman, what can I say? Just all-around good guy. Not cocky, very confident, soft-spoken, like to sing Desperado. (laughs) and like that movie
4: immediately i kind of liked him he had long hair he didn't dress nice he was just such a unique genuine dude that people you know uh, were endeared to him
3: he was a different kind of guy you know he was a flower child if you will you know of course at the time i didn't have any clue that he would go on to become the hero that he became but you know he was a different type of dude. he would ride his bicycle to practice every day
1: those are the voices of former tillman teammates larry centers Jake Plummer, and all started by former linebacker Mark Maddox. Thing is, if you asked Pat to talk about himself, something he seldom did, I'm not sure that football player would have made the top three things he'd say about himself. To know Pat was to know that Pat was about the next achievement, the next challenge, the next curiosity. Longtime Cardinals beat writer and Arizona Republic columnist, Kent Summers.
5: As a player, just passionate to the point of borderline is this guy human. I mean, can a human actually play that hard and have such disregard for his body and play the game that way and never, I mean, there was just one speed, you know, one gear. There was, you know, as Dave McGinnis used to say, that the guy has a switch, not a dial. You know, you just flip it on and it's the same same speed.
1: When Pat put on the pads, he used them. He was all in, like everything else he did. Pat never did anything half speed even when the drills were designed to be half-speed. That was Pat in his first NFL training camp as a seventh-round tweener. Just hit anything and everything that moved. I watched it in person. I covered that 1998 training camp in Flagstaff. I watched the decision-makers take notice that the guy in the football uniform belied the dude in the surfer shorts and the flip-flops. Here's former Cardinals wide receiver, frank sanders
3: i think pat probably deserved flip-flops and a surfboard somewhere in some oakley shorts and a, a real nice golden hair and that's it like playing football never seemed like he should be there until he put on his pads when he put on his pads a different person showed him
4: i understand you hit pretty hard no not <laughs> me a different guy i'm
5: in the middle of the field that ball's incomplete wow comes the helmet of the intended receiver as he gets crushed back there by Pat Tillman.
6: Pat Tillman, the blade, he knocked him right in the helmet with a forearm and just slapped that helmet off.
3: Even as a rookie, we used to have to call him off, you know, some some practices. We were, you know, just fit up on the uh, guy with the ball. But he would uh, come in and demolish the guys, which was a really good tactic. And it worked out great for him because it got the coach's attention. Oh!
4: he brought that same kind of FU mentality to the Cardinals. I mean, rookies don't hit receivers in, in OTA days, but he would lay some wood on a guy or like put an elbow in him and get in fights. And he really upped the competitiveness during practice. You know, guys didn't like him because he would hit you or rough you up or do what he ever, whatever he felt he needed to work on. And they ended up respecting him because it made everybody's level come up. He was a tone setter.
1: Let's just say that Pat would routinely exceed the perceived practice speed limit. But that's how Pat forged an NFL career. That's how Pat made the Cardinals as the 226th player taken in the 1998 draft. How he caught the coach's attention, even though he was the reigning Pac-10 defensive player of the year. But at the NFL level, was he still a linebacker? Was he fast enough to be a safety Pat made sure none of that mattered because all he did was turn guys into tackling dummies that entire camp, even though it landed him in the NFL's version of a coach's timeout, former Cardinals head coach,
7: Vince Tobin. And the one I remember was a wide receiver that he got in a fight with. They ended up having to throw them both off the field because they, every time the play started, well there'd be a fight between those two at the end of the play. And so, uh, I sent him in.
1: But as Vince Tobin himself would admit later, the Cardinals needed that mentality, that Pat Tillman brand of physicality and fight, that Tillman too, because remember, the Cardinals were still in the same division with those Cowboys teams coming off Super Bowls and physical East Coast teams from tough towns playing bully ball like the Giants and Eagles and Washington. Once again, former Cardinals quarterback, Jake Plummer.
4: You look at someone like him who was similar to me, we were too small, too slow, not strong enough, not smart enough, all these excuses for why we shouldn't be there, yet we just, you know, we threw that all aside and said, yeah, we're supposed to be here. He congratulated me, and I guess he was one of the, my advocates. He was talking me up, so where the hell are you? All right, thank you. Appreciate your help, Jake. He said that I gotta give him 15% of whatever I get because of his good talk, so it might not be much. So we had that chip on our shoulder and that confidence, that quiet confidence about ourselves and belief in ourselves. So we were kindred
7: spirits right away. Pat became a football player simply because of will and determination. He wasn't really big enough, strong enough, fast enough to play in the National Football League, Uh, but he willed himself to become a good enough football player to overcome those limitations.
1: And it's something that Pat had already done plenty of, Define the doubters. A quick personal note, I covered Pat during his years at ASU and then his early years with the Cardinals. Before that, I'd known of Pat through our high school alma mater, Leland High School in South San Jose. We were both from the Almondon Valley, which you might have seen featured in some of the Pat Tillman documentaries. His future father-in-law was my high school baseball coach. We were seven or eight years apart, or so, and I still remember my dad calling me during Pat's senior year of high school. Hey, you guess what? He said, "Leland is in this section title game." And I cut off my dad. I say, "Come on now, Pop. Um, Have you been drinking more of your red wine again?" Come on. Said, "No, no, no. They've got this Tillman kid. He's a running back, and nobody can tackle him. And he's a better middle linebacker. He's all over the field." So when people talk about Pat's ability to inspire and lift others, people rightfully cite the fact that. The last time ASU went to the Rose Bowl, it was Pat Tillman and Jake Plummer. During Pat's rookie year in the NFL 1998, the Arizona Cardinals won their first playoff game in half a century. And my response is always, you know what though, Pat's greatest team achievement was leading his high school to a title. Because believe me, the degree of difficulty there, Pat's high school hasn't come close to winning before or after Pat.
8: towers of the World Trade Center have been hit by aircraft. Both are in flames.
5: There is uh, black smoke coming from both of the towers. Uh, It's
1: a horrific scene here.
8: There are fire crews just screaming into this area from every
6: conceivable direction.
1: You know, times like this, you stop and think about just how, not only how good we have it, but what kind of a system we live under. Um, what freedoms were allowed. You know, my, my great-grandfather was at Pearl Harbor, and a lot of my family has given up, you know, has, has gone and fought in wars, and, and I really haven't done a damn thing as far as laying myself
6: on the line like that. And so I have a great deal of respect for those that have and what the flag stands for.
1: The voice of Pat Tillman, September 12, 2001, the day after the horrific events of 9-11. In fact, on September 11th, Pat Tillman was at the Cardinals facility and he wandered through the media area and sat down to watch the news coverage as it unfolded with Cardinals beat writer Darren Urban.
6: He was like, what we do playing in the NFL, he goes, we're worthless, we're actors. He goes, that means nothing. This is is so much bigger than that.
2: There's probably no better time to talk about a guy who took 911 to heart and made a
1: life changing decision based on his feelings, something he felt he needed to do.
8: It was sort of the, you know, man bites dog story like, this doesn't make any sense. He's right on the verge, we're in discussions with his agent about potentially extending his contract, and he decided, I'm going to walk away from this. But, you know, it was just six months after 9 11, and it was only three weeks after he got married to Marie, his high school sweetheart. And it was about one week after they got back from their honeymoon, uh, he joined the Army up in Colorado and then went on to become you know, part of the Rangers and one of the leaders. Cardinals
1: owner Michael Bidwell. As Pat had just set a team record for tackles in a season, his jersey was worn by fans all over town. Plus, there was the business of football as Pat was on the verge of cashing in on a mega contract. And he literally left it all behind
5: my reaction was was just i was like i just kind of had this big smile and started laughing to myself like this is completely believable i i mean i did not expect him to join the army but as i process it i like
8: yeah yeah okay
5: of all the guys in professional sports in, in the world he's the one who would do that
1: pat would leave that cardinals locker room to join a different team with a different plan, defending his country. And his former teammates remember the reactions like it was yesterday. Frank Sanders, Jake Plummer, and former head coach Vince Tobin.
3: I saw Pat coming out of the building, and I was coming in um, where the players normally go in the lower area. I was coming into the gates, and he was going out. I say hey, Pat, how you doing? What's up with your contract? He said, bro, I'm probably going to go to the military. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm going to go to the Army and be arranged with my brother. I said, what? you you going to do what? I wanna serve my country. That's what I'm gonna do. I say, brother, God bless you.
4: I just kind of like, eh, that sounds like Pat. You know, what can you do? I, I remember getting a call from Mike Devlin, who was my center in my rookie year, and now was a coach with the Cardinals. He said, hey, you gotta call Pat. He's, he's about to do something that, you know, I don't know if he should do this. It's, you know, he's giving up all this money and giving up the game. And I don't know, you should give him a shout. And I, I kind of chuckled because I was like, if Pat makes his mind up, if he's made this decision and his wife hasn't changed his mind, then what good am I going to be to to go try to change his mind? I'm not going to piss him off before he goes to fight for our country. I gave him a hug and told him I love him and, hey, be safe out there, man, because there was no change in his mind.
7: Well, he was all in. He believed in what he believed in and uh, believed it very strongly and uh, acted on what his beliefs were. A lot of people have beliefs, but they don't act on them, and uh, he did, no matter what he was doing, whether it's on the field or not
4: he believed in himself so much so that he did something that no one could fathom he would do and go give up millions of dollars to go fight for our country well for pat it was just life that was what life was about was doing what you
1: believed and and living your life and what's amazing is as media friendly as pat was as a player all the interviews that pat did when he was at asu and the cardinals you can search the internet all you want Good luck trying to find any interview that Pat did as a soldier. Once again, Kent Summers from the Arizona Republic.
5: One of the things that really resonated with me was his refusal to talk about it, ever. It's like, I'm not in it for that. I'm not in it for the stories. I'm not in it for a future movie or to set myself up for business later. I have my reasons for doing it. I'm not going to share them. They're my reasons.
1: So Pat left his Cardinals locker behind for a foot locker one more aspect of a person who could have done virtually anything he set his mind to and quite often Pat did just that. Former teammate and longtime Cardinals staffer Anthony Edwards on Pat's selfless act.
5: To serve that's humility
4: I choose to serve my country I choose to go this route instead of this one. The more popular vote would be stay where you're at continue to do what you're doing but he didn't feel that was enough That wasn't satisfying to him.
0: So he chose
1: the other. And that's former Cardinals receiver Anthony Edwards, who said it so well in Cardinals' folktales that Pat was all about service to his team, to his community, to his country. I think like a lot of media members, we walk into that Cardinals locker room, you can still hear Pat's laugh. You can still picture him with his teammates, you know, and it was that locker of Pat's that was spared the wrecking ball from the demolition crew in last-second dramatic fashion. And when we come back, we'll hear how that locker-saving play, how it unfolded, how Pat's lasting legacy is memorialized in other ways. As we continue with his encore presentation of Cardinals Folktale's Legendary Locker, On the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. And welcome back to our special encore presentation of Cardinals Folktales legendary locker here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. I'm Paul And If you go to State Farm Stadium, you'll see the Pat Tillman statue. There's Pat Tillman's name and number in the ring of honor. At Cardinals headquarters, there's Pat's Locker. And that's what we're talking about here tonight, the legendary locker. And last we left you here during Cardinals Folktales, Pat Tillman was making that selfless decision to leave football and a multi-million dollar contract behind to serve his country. As we know, Pat lost his life in action while serving with the Army Rangers in Afghanistan. And not only hit all of us in Arizona hard, a lot of us vividly remember that April morning, but our nation mourned as well. And we pick up the story of how Pat's legendary locker still stands today with a salute from Tom Cruise at the Espies.
8: The news came out of Afghanistan that an athlete turned soldier was gone. And when we heard the news on that April day, it stopped us all in a long and profound silence. And we all know why, because Pat Tillman was a transcendent figure in the life of this nation.
1: Word of Pat Tillman's death came out early on the morning of April twenty second, 2004. Fans created memorials at the Cardinals facility and in Pat's hometown of San Jose. I remember waiting in line at Sun Devil Stadium to pay respects at an impromptu memorial. The news hit with the ferocity of a Tillman tackle, and it struck owner Michael Bidwell and fullback Larry Centers the same way. It was
8: a, I mean, it was a gut punch. It was a kick to the stomach. And I I remember I was was standing in my closet that day, getting ready for work and to head into the office and my phone rang, you know, it sent shivers down my spine and, and we realized, it's going to be shocking news to everybody.
3: I was in Dallas on the golf course. I was playing with a couple of guys who, who played in the NFL, and one of them got a call or a text and said, hey, man, Pat Tillman just died in Afghanistan. It was a jaw-dropping moment. I remember exactly where I was. Like, I'm sure a lot of the teammates can tell you exactly where they were when they heard the news.
1: As news traveled through the Cardinals facility, it reached the locker room. Longtime trainer, John Omohundro.
7: It weighed on us, impacted
5: us a lot. And uh, thoughts started going through my mind uh, a way that we could memorialize him or remember him in some fashion uh, in the training room. I went down to PR, asked him to give me a photo of uh, Pat. Uh, I took it and had it framed, put it up over the tape table. So every day, everybody that came in got overseen by Pat and guys would get up on the table to get taped and uh, they could uh, maybe just pass thought on trying to live up to his standards of toughness and dedication, being a warrior just all the things that Pat was.
1: The Tillman player photo that John Omohundro referenced, well if you walk into the training room today that frame picture sits in the same exact spot just like it did, days after Pat's death.
2: I think there's a wow factor to it. Take for instance J.J. Watt, when he signed with the Cardinals he took a picture in front of it. It means something to him. He's very familiar with the story. He's involved with the Pat Tillman Foundation. I've obviously long been a fan of Pat Tillman.
6: What he stood for, uh, who he was, and everything about his legacy is, is unbelievable to me. So to be here, to be walking the same halls that he walked, and to see his locker was special for me.
2: It made me feel good to see him, the guy of his level, standing in front of that. And it means something to him.
1: That's the voice of Jim Omohundro, longtime Cardinals broadcast producer more than two decades on the job. While his father, the aforementioned John Omohundro, spent 42 seasons as a Cardinals athletic trainer. A couple of other longtime Cards employees, Darren Urban and Dave Pash, give us the scattering report on Omo.
6: I would paint Jim Omohundro in this way. Um, he works for the team, but I feel like in a lot of ways, Cardinals DNA is literally in him.
2: So I've been around the Cardinals my entire life. My dad was an athletic trainer for the team for 42 seasons. I like to say I was negative nine when he started with the team. And uh, so I was literally born into this organization. I couldn't imagine it any other way. Cardinal football means so much to him. Uh, outside of the Bidwells who you know grew up with Cardinal football, I can't think of anybody who uh, has a closer connection than the Bidwell family, than the Omahundro family. Uh, because of the time and the energy that's been spent rooting for the team.
1: So when people ask, how exactly did the Tillman locker end up encased in glass when every other locker is no moss? Well, glad you asked, because remember earlier the story that we thought we knew, but didn't? Well, here we go. 2015, the Cardinals locker room. It's a hard hat area. Not your typical football helmets, but construction workers.
2: It's the day after the Super Bowl, kind of slow around the facility, so I come over here to Oregano's just to get a normal lunch. So I order a slice and a salad, and I'm waiting for the food, so I'm scrolling through Twitter, I see a tweet by Darren Urban that alerts me to the renovation starting at our Tempe facility. So I freak out, there's a photo with a destroyed locker on the ground. So I had ordered my lunch, it hadn't come yet, and I'm like, I gotta get out of here. So I throw $20 down onto the table, and I'm out of there. I just run to my car, drive down, get to the facility, run through the parking lot, run through the auditorium, the weight room, the training room, step into the locker room, the carpet is all torn up. The glue from the carpet is there and it rips my shoe off my foot. So I'm hopping around the corner to see two lockers on one wall and about four lockers on the other. There's a guy with a saw walking directly for Pat Tillman's locker. I said, wait, 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 don't cut that one out. That's Pat Tillman's locker. So that's what happened and uh, prevented it from being destroyed.
1: And that is quite a series of events. I mean, think of how razor thin that margin was. One more stoplight, perhaps, or almost stopping to unglue his shoe. And that Tillman locker would have been turned into lumber. That caught the attention of Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell. I found out an hour after it happened that Jim O'Mahundra was walking through and said, wait, don't touch that.
8: And, uh, and so we're like, okay, we don't know what to do with it right now, but we're going to do something. And then uh, because we were doing a renovation of the building, we looked for an area where we could uh, put it and the designers found what I think is a perfect entry area right outside the locker room. So it's, it, it's a perfect area and it's, it's really a landmark within our building and uh, serves as an important reminder for his sacrifice, but also his spirit.
2: Everybody who goes out to the practice field, they walk by it. Everyone who comes in from the practice field, they walk by it. And if you look at the old footprint of the locker room, it's literally on the other side of the wall, kind of diagonal from where it was. And I think that's pretty cool. It's kind of hallowed ground in a way.
1: Remember, it'd been over a dozen years since Pat had left his locker. So over those years, a number of other players use that locker. Pat's final
2: year in the locker room was 2001. So every year after that, I would kind of look to see who had that locker, and I'd make it a point to go up to him and say, hey, you know whose locker you are sitting in? And they're like, who? I said, Pat Tillman. Some of them looked at me like I was nuts, like what, this is Pat's locker? Some that come to mind, Gabe Watson, former defensive tackle.
3: Omahondro told me you share the same locker that Pat Tillman had. And I'm like, are you serious? You know, you you hear the stories behind him, and it's only a few people that can say I shared the same locker. It's just an honor to just be in any company with him.
2: John Foldington was a reserve offensive lineman who was the the final occupant of Pat's locker, and he was genuinely touched. I, I told him and he he was just like I'm honored. He didn't know what to say. So, um, you know, you see guys that maybe had that locker, then you see guys that in future years will walk past that locker, and you kind of get the idea of what they might feel about it.
1: You know, the first time that you see Pat's locker on display, and as someone who sees it on a daily basis now, it is a heck of a first impression that makes for a lasting impression. Here's VP of Media Relations' Mark Dalton, followed by former Cardinals' Larry Centers' and Anthony Edwards
2: when you get to that spot it's almost a universal reaction people just stop and conversation ceases and they just
3: take it in and there's like a solemn moment of reflection um, which is really cool keeping his legacy alive I think that's a big uh, step in the right direction you know the generations go on and and the people the players come and the players go but to see him immortalized in, in that way and appreciated by the organization, I think that's a really good move by the team.
4: It's a reminder as a player that's leaving out of the locker room going to the practice field. Here's someone who was dedicated, committed to excellence. And whatever he did, So let us do the same thing and take it to the field today and be our very best. So it comes as a reminder
0: of
2: striving for excellence. Each time a guy walks by, they're going to see Pat and his locker there and remember, you know, hey, you could be having a crappy day. You could be complaining about little things and then you see that and you check yourself a little bit. Say, okay, there's thousands upon thousands of men and women all over the world serving our country and, you know, they can't afford to have a bad day. We can afford to have a bad day. So you've got it pretty good.
1: In the NFL, everyone is looking for impact players in Cardinals team history and that is going back more than a century not a single player on the field and off combined has had a bigger impact than Pat Tillman.
5: Pat Tillman was all about team and if you can walk past that and not get something inside of you turning We got some issues.
2: Go back to the whole idea of, you know, it's not what you say in life, it's what you do. We can all talk, but ultimately it's what we do. And I think the lasting legacy of Pat Tillman is this is someone who did, who believed in something and was willing to risk his life for it.
1: That's Voice of the Cardinals Dave Pash, preceded by former Cardinals linebacker Mark Maddox. Make an impact. Players today, when they see Pat Tillman's locker, it says challenge yourself to do as much with your life as pat did in his 27 years to me that's what pat's locker stands for and that's why it still stands today for all to see to me when they keep his locker alive and his
4: his uh, legend alive there it's telling the players to like live your trueness be who you are and like Hey, you know, don't go against the grain just because you want to go against the grain. But if you have a feeling and it's a thought and it's something you believe in, and if it's against the grain, do it and trust yourself because Pat was like that.
1: There you have it, Cardinals Folktales' legendary locker. The one locker that will never change nameplates. The same locker where we used to witness Pat reclined between practices, taking a snooze to refresh for what was next. And that's just one tribute to Pat's greatness, that seemingly everyone has a story. In fact, I'll share a quick one with you here. I knew a guy at ASU, went to school with him, and he told me years later that he was Pat's next-door neighbor for a spell. One night, he got home from work. He pulled into his driveway, and he couldn't help but notice, there's Pat on his roof. His buddy of mine gets out of his car. He's half stupefied, and he yells out, hey, Pat, what are you doing on your roof? And Pat looked at him, just watching the sunset, dude, just watching the sunset. And that was Pat. He took nothing for granted, and he inspired others to do the same. But how do you convey that? How do you pass that along? How do you honor that? Well, the Cardinals do just that every day by putting Pat's locker on display at their training facility. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been Cardinals Folktales' legendary locker presented by 72Soul. Thanks for listening. stories like that and so many people have stories regarding pat tillman that's how his legacy lives on today if you go to the pat tillman foundation website and they state how pat's life and principles and service that's his true legacy how pat's family and friends started the pat tillman foundation to carry forward that legacy if you go two days after his passing, it was the NFL Draft 2004, and then Commissioner Paul Tagliabue wore a black ribbon with Tillman's name on it and, and a helmet pin with his number 40. And, and there was Paul Tagliabue while flanked by five Marines in Madison Square Garden, and he told the audience, quote, Pat Tillman personified the best values of Americans and the National Football League. And we know Pat's legacy is personified, by pat's run which is held annually in tempe and when we come back we'll bring back and talk with someone who runs that race every year our own darren urban who covered pat tillman during his playing career as we continue with his encore presentation of cardinals folktales legendary locker here on the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert Welcome back to our encore presentation of Cardinals Folktales, which we have turned into this very special edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban from ACCardinals.com, And what we designated as the 54th locker, that locker just outside the Cardinals locker room, Darren, where the nameplate will never change. Pat Tillman. And it was this close to demolition. We got that sense in that edition there, Cardinals Folk Tales, legendary locker, that you know what, if it wasn't for one Jim Omahundro, our fine producer, who was quick of foot and quick of mind, if it would have been one more stoplight, for example, as he raced back to the facility on that fateful day, uh, it would not have been saved. But there it is for all to see every single day.
6: Well, I'm going to take a little bit of the credit here. Okay. All because I was the one who took the photo that was in the on the post that, Ohm saw that made him realize, oh, i better get back <laughs> to the right. facility.
1: That's right, it was a two-man game. you're right, but uh, you know
6: I, I think I, I think it's so incredibly awesome to see that locker every day to to see how they've preserved it, to, to see players pass it and uh, a JJ. Watt yeah. upon
1: his first visit to the facility, it stopped him in his tracks.
6: There's been a couple players, not always the name of J.J. Watt. I mean Dennis gardick it meant something to him when he first saw it, there was a linebacker and his name escapes me right now. He was an undrafted rookie did not make it through training camp, but um, he was a huge admirer of Pat Tillman. And uh, I remember doing a story about him and, and uh, he had read a Tillman book after Tillman's death. uh, And it was very important for him to be in a, in a locker room where this locker existed. So, I mean, I do think it, it has an impact even as we get past these years, Paul, I mean, We're getting to the point now where um, most of the players that come into the league were too young to remember Pat Tillman or him dying. I mean, Mm. they're they're certainly, uh, you know, 2004 was when they were in diapers at best.
1: And you know what? And that's when you explain to them who Pat Tillman was and the legacy and For everything that Pat Tillman was to all of us, those who covered him, and I think anybody who's been a longtime resident of Arizona, you have a a poignant memory at the very least, if not a story. I know the first and only jersey I've ever purchased for my son was a Pat Tillman jersey, and it will be the only one I purchased for him. And it is that legacy that, if nothing else, it's to challenge yourself. Think for yourself. Speak for yourself. Just get the most out of yourself. Can you ever begin to get enough out of your life that Pack got out of his 27 years. To me, that's what that locker says to every incoming Cardinals player.
6: I mean, the, the best part about the locker, and, and really to me about Pat's legacy, is it can mean so many different things to so many different people. I mean, whether it's uh, you know getting the most out of your life, as you were saying, Paul, even if it's something as relatively basic as, you know, you might be a long shot to be on this team, but it can happen because Pat Tillman was somebody who did that, you know, a seventh round pick that um, probably overachieved a little bit in terms of doing what he did in the NFL. So I I think it, it can re-
1: represent a lot of things to a lot of people. Dave McGinnis told a story recently, former Cardinals defensive coordinator and head coach, that when he first met Pat Tillman, Pat pulled him aside and said, look, I know why you drafted me. I'm a local kid. You're trying to get some fans in the stands. You probably think I have no shot other than special teams. He said, just give me a shot. I can be a darn good defensive player for you. And Dave McGinnis said he never forgot that. He gave him a shot in training camp. We all know not only did he make the team, he started 10 of 16 games his rookie year, Pat Tillman. And so, uh, you know, but once again, football did not define Pat Tillman. And he went on to serve his country, become an American hero. And now that legacy is encased in that locker for all to see outside the Cardinals locker room. And it was great to revisit that edition of Cardinals Folktales. And we're just getting started. We're going to do it each of the next two weeks as well. Special thanks to our Jim Almahondro, not only for tonight on the Big Red Rage, but as the fine producer of the Cardinals Folktales podcast series. Cody Fincher, thank you. Special thanks to Darren Urban. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.